Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor and Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed. Carol, how can I help you? Good afternoon. Um, we have a home in the Hill Country that has cement floors. Okay. They are starting to, they are starting to crack as well as where we have, we have them stained, and yep. the stain is wearing off. Is there anything I can do? Do I have to take the, the finish off, or what is the, the best way to restain those floors? Well, concrete cracks by nature. I mean, all concrete's going to crack. It, it, as it expands and contracts, it gets hairline cracks in it, and those can open up even bigger than just hairline, but... Um, that's what we have steel in it for, is to hold it together when it does crack. As far as the finish, that's a different thing. Uh, when you have those stained floors, they have a clear coat finish that's put on over them, and that has to be reapplied periodically in order to, to, to keep the floors looking good because the clear coat is what wears so that the stain itself stays looking good. So have you, have you already worn through the stain into the concrete? Yes. Okay, so I don't know how well they'll be able to match it back, but what they'll have to do is try to strip the clear coat, apply stain, and it may require you to restain everything. I don't, I'm not sure on that. Yeah. And then okay. put the clear coats back on. And like I said, the clear coats have to be reapplied periodically because that's that's basically your wear strip. Okay, so uh, that a clear coat is is not a color; it's just uh, something that keeps the color that's there uh, the same color. No, it, it basically protects that you're not walking on what the color is. You're walking on something that's clear, and as it wears, and you add new layers of that clear. It keeps you from wearing the stain, the color in the concrete out. Okay, okay. So if I put the clear coat on now, uh, it's not going to do anything. I, the it color will stay as it is. Correct. If, if it's worn down. Okay, very good. The, to reapply, is it pretty simple or is that a detailed uh, procedure? It, it's a detailed procedure. Okay, so you'd have to have really a professional to do it. Oh, yeah, that's that. So you, the clear coat you could apply yourself probably, but to do the stain part, especially trying to match one back like that, that you want a uh -huh. professional coming in for. Okay, all right. Well, thank you so very much. You're very welcome, Carol. You take care. Robert from Colleyville sent in an email. Uh, UV light and HVAC to control mold. Good idea or not? Three train systems with mold in the air handler was told to add UV lights. However, train does not recommend them for their residential systems due to wiring and plastic degradation. Your thoughts? You shouldn't be getting mold in the handler, the air handler. So my thought is let's find out where this moisture is coming from that's getting into the air handler. Control that. And we don't need to put the UV lights because uh, uh, all, you're gonna, all you're trying to do if you're putting in the UV lights for that type of situation is control something that's wrong to begin with. And it could be something as little as an air leak 
that it is uh, causing this problem. So um, I'm, I'm kind of going to agree with Train on this one. Let's dig into the system and find out what's what's uh, leaking or installed improperly. Uh, it can be something as simple as the airflow isn't set to the right speed and causing an issue like this. So there's any number of things that could be causing it. And all you're doing with the UV light is addressing symptoms and not fixing the cause of the problem. Nancy in Fort Worth, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you. Good afternoon. Um, my son-in-law and daughter just bought an older home in Richardson. It's Pure and Beam Foundation. And uh-huh. I've noticed I've noticed that they do not have a positive drainage situation so would they benefit by um you know scraping away any kind of mulch or anything and then bringing some dirt up around the foundation so that in a hard rainfall it would drain away from the foundation well you got to watch two things one you want to make sure that you're not uh putting so much dirt around that you're getting up over the brick you typically right. want to keep three or four inches uh, of foundation showing under the brick. But the other thing is we don't want to build the soil up outside the house higher than the soil under the house. Because that uh, the water is going to uh, seek its own levelness. And if you've got the soil higher outside, the lake becomes under your house that way. But in general, yes, you want the soil sloping away so that moisture does, doesn't uh, accumulate near the foundation. Slope it to, to where it gets at least 5, 10 feet away from the foundation. And that is much, much better for the foundation. Okay, yes, they have plenty of room between the brick line and the foundation. I don't know what the level of the dirt is underneath the house. Do you think of just a few inches would be a problem? A few inches of dirt? No, not not in general. I just but if the soil yeah. is already higher outside, you don't want to add more dirt is what I'm getting. No, at. right. Okay, thank you so much. You bet. Nancy, you take care. Mm-hmm, bye. Bye. And you know, where I come from on that is moisture is not the enemy. I mean, you need moisture in the soil. Standing water is the enemy. That's too much moisture, and that will cause problems. So that's the reason, yes, you want it sloping away uh, from the soil, but you don't want it where you could start puddling underneath. Now, yes, that can still be addressed with drainage, but if you can avoid it, why not? Steve, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? Hey, good afternoon. Listen, I'm thinking about doing an outdoor kitchen, and I've talked to a couple of contractors, and they talk about different construction methods for the island and the base cabinet. Some want to do okay. cinder block, concrete block frames. Some want to do treated lumber or some combination thereof. Any suggestions right. or guidance is appreciated. Well, a uh, lot's going to depend on how long you're going to be there. I'm hoping the rest of my day. Let's, let's go with um, 10 to 20 years. You will get 10 to t- 10 years or so probably out of using the treated two by fours uh, and you probably would get even longer than that uh, the longest life one is going to be going with the blocks 
because it won't mm-hmm. deteriorate with with uh, moisture and water. And you know, treated lumber doesn't typically either, but it does actually over time tend to deteriorate some. But look at it this way: your house is built with two by fours, and they're untreated, and it'll last forever. So. It really just depends on how well the surface skin is that you're going to put on it, going to protect it. If you're putting something on it that's going to keep moisture off of it, then you don't have an issue. Uh, As an example, if you're going to go over it with, uh, put some Tyvek on it and then put Hardy on it. Use a stucco Mm -hmm. look Hardy, say. Uh, Hey, you're just building it just like a house, and as long as you keep it painted and stuff... It's going to last forever. Well, the, the idea is to, is to have the Austin stone, the limestone on the outside of the cabinets, and then, of course, wooden doors for the sure for access. Um, and, and is it going to be under cover? Yeah, it's going to be under cover. Yeah, yeah. I, I Personally, then, I would go with just uh, stick construction. Okay. Okay, seems to be the less now, expensive option. That's why I was going. That's why I was wondering... Yep. About durability. It is. It is. Uh, now, if you were telling me that it was going to be outside to, in the weather, you know, then I would say, yeah, I'd go with the blocks. But if you're going to be under a cover, um, you know, given all the, the that kind of stuff, I would just go with stick construction. Uh, and it'll probably outlive you and me both combined. Excellent. Hey, appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. You bet. Take care. You know, and, and that's really how you got to look at when you're putting something together. You know, uh, what's going to be the purpose of it? How? What's its exposure? This is undercover. You can build it like a house and you'll be just fine. So Nancy from Garland sends in replacing siding with brick. Oh, and I'm going to put my glasses on to read this one. Cause, okay. Hey, Jim, I live in a one-story home on a busy corner. The front face of my house is entirely brick and the rest of the of it is entirely hardy siding however the homes near me all brick so mine looks odd in comparison as if the builder ran out of materials part way through i'm considering replacing the siding with brick on the side of the house that faces the street approximately 52 linear feet the other side and the back are not very visible Although siding is attractive in this case, I'm thinking the consistency of the brick would give it a more uniform appearance. Also, when I bought the house new, there were many leftover matching bricks stacked in the backyard, so I already have a third of the bricks needed. Assuming I can find more matching bricks, is this project a good idea? Would it raise the value of my home since brick are wider and heavier than siding what would need to be done to support the weight of the bricks who would you recommend thanks well okay first item is can it be done yes is it going to raise the value of your home no so uh, i typically don't recommend doing it if you want to do it what you have to do is add a brick ledge to the home and there's a couple of ways you can do that one is you can drill holes put rebar into it uh, and pour concrete form it up and pour concrete to add a brick ledge Uh, 
it'll last for a long time, but a lot of times I do see these come up as problems later. The secondary way to do it is to bolt an angle iron to the side of the foundation and use that as your brick ledge to come up with. Same thing over time, though, that can start to rust. And when I say over time, look, you're typically talking a, a couple, two, three decades before it becomes an issue. Uh, but it does eventually become an issue. So uh, that's why I don't normally recommend it. Can it be done? Yes. Has it been done? Absolutely. Uh, would I recommend doing it? No. I would stick with the siding in instead. Um, now, if you want to do something that can change the looks, take a look at some of the stone veneers instead. <clears throat> Those can be adhered to the hardy. Modernizes the look of the house because a lot of houses are built with stone nowadays. And it would help eliminate uh, you know, the weight. Not the weight's not going to be an issue. It what eliminates is adding to the foundation in order to support the brick, and that's really where the problem comes in. There's just not a good way to do that and and make it a, a good permanent thing. Let's head out to Fulcher and Keith. This is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, good afternoon, Jim. How you doing? Doing wonderful. How about you? Yes, sir. We're doing well. Got a couple of questions about an upstairs laundry room. So okay. we're going to we're, we're looking to place our laundry room upstairs. And um, one question I have is about putting a drainage pan underneath the washing machine. Are, are we able to run the drain back over to the same pipe that's going to be draining the washing machine itself without having to worry about the water running back up whenever, you know, running back up into that drain and overfilling it? Well, if if the uh, does the question the, make sense? The, it does, and what what'll happen is if you ever have a clog in that drain line, the washing machine, you know, as it's discharging, would actually discharge then in the pipe and backfeed into the pan. So, I mean, we don't typically get clogs in the drain line for the washing machine. Uh, I mean, those pans are normally underneath there in case the washing machine itself starts to leak. Uh, but, yes, you do have the potential of it backing up if the if the sewer system ever backs up. Okay. But it's on the I, second I floor, so the chances of that happening are pretty darn slim. I would not lose sleep over that. Okay. I believe that that line that we'd be tying into... It has a sink. It has a sink on the other side of the of the wall, and then it has a downstairs wet bar sink as well. And so, it I think it's a the same vent line. I think it's all one one pipe that vents it to allow it to drain, and then it's got. It would, at that point, it would have three different drains feeding into it with with their own key traps. Is, yeah. Are there? Is you're, it you're supposed to be a separate vent. Yes. Biggest issue okay. that you're going to run into is the uh sewer gas you know the 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 sinks the the line for the washing machine uh, they all have p traps and the drain pan underneath there wouldn't have a p trap and therefore sewer gas could back up 
So you can't okay. tie into uh, a vent stack or anything with it. You you would want to run it out. Normally, what you would do with uh, with a pan like that is run it outside. Okay. Okay. So I can figure out a way. To, maybe I can figure out a way to do that then. Um, it, okay. Is this well, an existing is. house or one you're building? It's a it's an existing house. Yes, sir. And how far to the outside wall are we talking? Um, maybe, I think I could get to the outside in about 17 feet, 18 feet. Is that, is that too much? Well, it's a lot. Uh, because, you're, you know, in order to run it out there, you're talking about having to tear up sheetrock and stuff to get it there. Um. Uh, what you may want to consider instead of running it that way is a pan that's underneath the uh, washing machine that's a little bit deeper and have a pump in it that you can okay. discharge into the same place that the washing machine is discharging. I mean, it'd be the same as tying it in, but you're protected then from the sewer gas you're not having to tear up sheetrock to get it out. And they make little pumps, you know, for AC units and stuff like that that, uh, you know, they're not going to pump massive amounts of water. But the whole purpose, like I said, of those pans is is to uh, catch the water if the washing machine ever starts leaking. So it would handle that fine. And quite okay. frankly, if you is make that... it deep enough, you don't even have to worry about catching the water. You're pumping it out, rather. Yes, sir. Okay, and, and is that a, is there a product out there that I could go to pretty quickly to find that, or is that kind of a homemade, custom-made? No, no, that's, yeah, no, uh, there, there's pans out there that you can go and, and get for that. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Going to Chapel Hill. Howard, how are you today? I'm fine. Okay, uh, I've got... Uh, three big porches outside uh, on my house and uh, the outsides of the porches are starting to peel up. I've got some Sherwin-Williams oil-based paint down on them uh, and I want to go ahead and uh, uh, scrape all those down and uh, put some weatherproofing on them. Now, is what what product do you recommend to put on top of an oil base uh, for weatherproofing? You got no choice but to go back with an oil base paint. Okay, okay. So I don't need the uh, I don't need the weatherall or whatever whatever. There's a couple of, of of products out there, so you just go back and paint it. Yeah, because uh, since you've already painted it, unless you're going to sand all that paint off and, and uh, you know, or blast it off and stuff, uh, nothing else will stick properly to it. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll probably sand off, scrape it down, sand off the rough edges, and then go ahead and put, put – uh, I was just wondering if uh, – so, so let me ask you this. Uh, if there's boards that are, boards that are rotten, I'm taking out. And I've already got them. I've already got them painting with the oil base. Is it is it necessary to further uh, put weatherproofing on on that or not? Is that doing no, any good? No, no. 
No, nah, you need okay. to put a primer on like you would any new new wood, but the paint itself is the weatherproofing. Okay, that's what I thought. Very good. Yeah. I appreciate the information. You bet. Take care. Randy and Richardson sends a, an email, gas water heater potential replacement. It says, plumbing need to know whether our water heater needs replaced or maintained. 13-year-old and never been drained and making more noises when refilling. Well, honestly, at this point, you couldn't drain it probably if you wanted to. Uh, there's probably so much sediment in the bottom of it uh, that it, it just wouldn't flush out any longer. The noise is not something you need to worry about for replacing it. Typically, what's causing that is as it's heating up, the sediment that's in the bottom also heats up and crackles and makes all kinds of noise as the heat's going through it. Um, do you need to replace it? No. I mean, you can wait till you're either getting a leak or the, the burner elements go out or something along those lines. But um, water heaters, it's not unusual to get 15, 20 years out of them. In fact, if you start talking with the manufacturers, uh, you know, a water heater that comes with a 10-year warranty is typically made to last 20 years. So, and, you know, quite frankly, your air conditioning systems are the same way. You know, a lot of times contractors will tell you that, oh, you need to replace it. Uh, you know, this is a 8 or 10 or 12-year-old system. Well, the manufacturer expects you to get 15, 20 and more out of that air conditioning system. Is it going to be maintenance-free? Absolutely not. Are the newer ones going to be more energy efficient? You bet. But that doesn't mean you got to replace it right away. So keep that in mind when you're getting stuff worked on. But as far as your water heater, if you're going to try to drain it to keep sediment out of it, you got to start that within the first two years. You, typically, if you wait beyond that, it gets baked in. And at that point, you're not going to get the sediment out. And you just wait then until it's time to put in a new one. And I'll be honest with you, I've never bothered draining the water heaters at my house. Uh, for the added uh, length of time that you're going to get, I've just never found it uh, worth the worth the effort that I'd have to put into it. Karen, welcome to 740 KTRH. How can I help you? Hi. Um, I've got two questions. Okay. Uh, the first one is I have, I have black flecks coming out of my air conditioning vent. They look kind of grayish black, and they, they almost look like they have hair in them. Um, is that something that I just need to have the vents cleaned out, or is it something else that I should be looking at? Well, you definitely need to have it checked because it, it can be coming all the way back from the plentum through the duct working out. So, uh, you know, somewhere something is letting stuff in, and that needs to be figured out where it's at. Not okay. necessarily cleaning uh, the ducts, though. Okay. Uh, I'll definitely do that. Second question is, I've been thinking about retiring and looking into tiny homes that are built on trailer bases. Yeah. Um, want to get your opinion on those versus building a, a small home on a slab. Okay. Um, you going to move it? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I want to. I want to live up north, up in the mountains, by a waterfall. Okay. Uh, a lot of people are looking at me crazy because I'm from Texas, and they said, "You want to live up north?" 
Um, so I thought, well, maybe the tiny home would be the way to go because I can always hitch up to it and move it. Yeah. Have you ever lived in a northern state? No, sir. I would suggest you go spend about a month in uh, Minnesota before you make a decision like that. And and uh, probably not October, November. Wait until January, February when it's good and cold. Okay, and well, it, and where I was thinking about was Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania has a waterfall park that has 22 waterfalls. Okay. I could, I could eat breakfast at a waterfall every day. Yep. So go, go sit out there in January, February. And you'll probably figure out why there's so many what they call snowbirds that flee from the north in the in the winter months. Uh, <laughs> so, truthfully, what I would look at is, yeah, put a tiny house up there, probably one on wheels like you're talking about, but maintain a place down here as well. Th- this is where everybody that's comes probably, to be comfortable. Yeah, that's probably very good advice. <laughs> But no, I, I, honestly, I've got nothing against the the, the tiny houses on wheels. Um, you will find that you're going to feel very cramped, and you're not going to be able to carry much with you. The storage in them, you know, as much as they say, "Oh, we got great storage in this one. Look at this closet; it's three foot wide." And think think in your house, the the bedrooms in the house, for instance. You're going to have to be able to put everything you want into one closet. And it's not hmm. going to be a big closet. And yeah. so beyond that, uh, quite frankly, our houses are way bigger than we need. You know, I was actually talking about that with my mom yesterday. And, you know, everybody nowadays wants to uh, complain that it takes both people working to to afford a house and two cars and all that stuff. You go back in the 50s, 60s, and even in the 70s, people had a 1,500, 11 to 1,500 square foot house and one car and were quite happy. It wasn't until we wanted more and more and more that we started two people working, and now we have to work in order to keep up with the Jones, but a tiny house is just fine. My favorite house I ever owned was 1,565 square feet. We had three kids and me and my wife in it, and that was perfect. Wow. Well, if you can do it, I can. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You bet. You take care. So I had an interesting question come in uh, actually this morning. came from Bob, and he says, clear coats on top of exterior latex paint. Is there a clear coat product that can be put on top of exterior latex paint or porch paint to reduce the frequency of paint chipping and peeling, and therefore the amount of maintenance? The sealers have tint that I don't want, and I'm afraid that polyurethane won't expand and shrink with the temp changes the way latex paint is supposed to. But if there's a clear coat, then maybe the paint will be protected from temp changes too. Not sure what I can use, thanks. Well, uh, there, there is nothing that I'm aware of, Bob, that, that is a clear coat for paint. Uh, because quite frankly, if the paint is blistering off like that, uh, you got more problems than, than just the paint. It's not adhering to the wood. 
And there's a lot of things that can cause that. One can be, you know, if it wasn't prepped properly. But one of the other things is if it's an older structure, and I'm talking, you know, 30, 40 years old, you can get a fungus into the, the wood siding, and that will not allow the paint to adhere. It'll it'll look good when you paint it for about year, two years max, and then it starts blistering and, and peeling off. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going on with yours, but with normal paint, uh, you shouldn't have it blistering and peeling off. There's something else that, that's wrong. Now, if you use cheaper grade paints, you are more likely to have this kind of issue as well. So uh, just in encourage everybody to use a high-end paint. If you've got bare wood, make sure you use a proper sealer. But as far as putting something over the top, uh, no clear coats or anything that I know of. And even if there was, this problem would still exist. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com. 